Hello, this is Brad Fain, and I'm here today on uh, Living a Good Life. Cast 11 is our channel here, and I'm here with our editor of Signals and TG Magazine, Guy Rogerson. Howdy. And thank you, Guy. Good to see you again. Likewise. Uh, we're here with our special guest, Mr. Tim Carter, uh, Yavapai County Superintendent. And uh, I have to say, it feels weird to be here because the last time we were like real formal, I was in your classroom some 34 years ago, senior year. Must pass the class to graduate. <laughs> My favorite story about the class was you standing up there in front of us before a test saying, I make six tests. I throw them on my family room floor the night before and my family assembles them. So if you're gonna cheat, you're gonna have to be really good at cheating because that's how you're gonna make a living. So um, <laughs> I'm glad, rem I'm glad I remember. remember. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a long time. We, I've, you know, knowing you, remember you yelling around the track coach, uh, oh, yeah. yelling at your runners going around the around and around and around. and. Uh, you were quite a president at Prescott High School, so welcome. Glad to have I'm you happy here. Happy to be here. Um, you know, today we really want to talk about our, our show is all about community and design, and um, we want to have a, just an honest conversation about how we look at community, how we design community, uh, how that impacts uh, housing, how that impacts the people that make our community great, like teachers and nurses and police officers and firemen. And so if you would, if, if you wouldn't mind, just kick us off with like your role as Yavapai County Superintendent. How is that different than uh, the superintendent of Prescott Unified School District? And, and then we'll just kind of launch into how is education woven into this discussion about housing? Okay. Well, um, the Arizona has a kind of an interesting process that we go through from the standpoint of the way state offices and county offices work in relation to local governing boards. So my job is to work with 25 school districts, 24 charter schools, and 17 libraries uh, in Yavapai County. And we're a service provider. Uh, we're their bank. We take care of all their, their finances with them in association with them. They make the decisions. We simply make sure they're doing it correctly. Uh, we handle all their elections. Uh, and anything else that they need assistance with. Uh, our, our motto is listen, innovate, and serve, and that's exactly what we do. So uh, I'm not the boss for the school districts. They have a district governing board that's elected by voters, and then they typically hire a superintendent and then administrators and teachers and those kind of things from there. So our job really is to help provide a service to them, and when they identify issues for us, uh, our goal is to enlighten the community about those issues and to try to find a solution. And uh, without a doubt, the biggest issue that we have right now in Arizona when it comes to education is uh, the, the fact that, that we have a very difficult time recruiting and retaining teachers. Um, it is, without a doubt, the biggest issue that we're dealing with. And, of course, housing is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a, an issue that we've been spending a lot of time talking about. Yeah. In, in my world, I hear a lot of people that there's a battle around growth or this, I call it a battle because it, it tends to be divisive. They want to put one side against the other. We need to stop growth. We need to continue with growth. And um, I see that directly relating to the, the housing prices. You know, if we stop growth, then there's fewer houses, fewer opportunities for people to live in. And it seems to compound the issues that then teachers have to deal with. How does your industry or your organization look at growth 
uh, from the standpoint of the school districts and the teachers? Well, growth for schools in Yavapai County over the last several years has had a a couple of uh, different formats. Uh, There was a time period um, where we had pretty good growth uh, in the neighborhood of 5 to 8% in some areas. And then it simply stagnated. And then we had a little bit more growth and then stagnated again. And we kind of go through these cycles. Uh, COVID certainly uh, added a whole new dimension to that. Mm -hmm. So our focus is not necessarily on the growth. Our job is to make sure that we're able to handle whatever that growth is. And we have a lot of growth in the area, but it's not necessarily young families with children moving in. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, But our focus is always on education. And so when we identify uh, an issue, it may be associated with that growth, or it may simply be associated with the fact that you've got a, a, a teacher and a family and maybe a couple of kids and um, let's say they're making $40,000 a piece, it would be very difficult for them to move to Prescott or Prescott Valley and purchase a home at today's prices. And it might be very difficult for them to move here and to lease a house or to even rent a house with, uh, in some cases, we've got communities where there are literally no houses, no trailers. There are no structures available. So what do we do? Well, they try to find the next closest community, and then drive. Well, that uh, is not something that's going to sustain that family and those teachers in our communities. So we continue to try to look for other solutions. Wow. I mean, I, I don't think people realize the connection there to, to like, your teacher, the one you admire, you work with your kids, and, and they can't afford to live here. And, and they're, like, so essential to our youth, the next generation who – you know, we want to see grow up and get good jobs and, and take over. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we can retire someday uh, that they can't find a teacher to, to be able to afford to live here. And the problem that's compounded, of course, is that it's it's true of all service industries just about. I mean, law enforcement, firefighters, healthcare, yeah. same exact kind of situation. So you have um, all of those different groups that are trying to, to resolve a common issue. And unfortunately, we're c- competing against each other for those same houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I've heard in some cases where you have multiple teachers living in one house, where there are like three, four, or five living in one house. I mean, what does that do to the morale of, of just the whole business of being in the school and education system? Well, we do a lot of recruiting out of state, uh, and we try to identify states that uh, produce more teachers than they actually hire within their state. And South Dakota is a great example of that. So we usually send a team up there every year, and it's not uncommon to hire three or four. And if they all come back to kind of the Prescott, Mayer, or Chino Valley area, then they could share a house, and you might have three or four typically uh, single, unmarried uh, guys or gals uh, in the same home, and they're sharing the cost of whatever that rent or um, if they're able to purchase something, they might be able to do that. That usually works okay for year one, maybe year two, but usually by year three, you have people that want to get married and start their own family, and sure. then what do we do? Mm-hmm. And um, we also have the same issue with, as other areas of Arizona has, is that uh, you have areas that are relatively close to us, for example, uh, in the North Valley and Deer Valley and those kind of areas where they have overrides and that they're able to pay their teachers substantially more than we are. So 
it doesn't take those young teachers very long to realize that, you know, 40 miles away or so, there's a another place that we may be able to get a raise, and there's probably a much better likelihood that we're going to find housing. Right. So it's quite a competitive market that we're dealing with. Yeah. I don't think people understand how competitive it is. Yes. <laughs> I, I heard two things there. One is it was more about inventory. You know, we hear attainable housing or workforce housing. Then we also hear um, attainable, right? But there just sounds like there's a lack of inventory as a whole. Let's forget about pricing for a second. So that's one thing I kind of heard. Well, that, that's a good point, but it is very specific to the community. You know, right. we, we deal with, with 25 districts and 24 charters. So we've got 101 campuses spread over a pretty good-sized county. And every one of those communities is a little different. So I can show you Absolutely. some communities in Yavapai County where there's not a single house, not one, not one on the market to buy wow. or to rent. So that point is very well taken. In that situation, it's all about uh, the inventory. But then what happens is you start having to, this ripple effect of those folks have to move further and further away from where they're, they're teaching or working. And now what is both an inventory and a financial problem in that district starts having a negative impact on the inventory on neighboring districts. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it is so it is a very interesting dynamic that we're trying to resolve. So that's one. And the other thing that I heard was part of your mission or your task is to deal with the type of growth. And there's all there's a couple different types of growth. And you mentioned it's not necessarily young families moving here, but probably retired folks that are moving. How is that challenge different than, say, a surge of young people moving here? I hear connectivity to community. Is there a challenge there with your retired folks that come here? And I get it. I moved here for quality of life. I'm not retired yet. But is it a much different challenge when you have a large um, – you see growth in the community, but it is retired people versus young families moving here to work? Uh, it, is, it is significant, and it creates, in my view, a couple of issues. Um, number one, it changes the dynamic of the kind of home that you're going to see. Um, to be quite honest, if I'm a, a young married person and we're starting a family, we're probably looking for a different type of starter home than the retired couple that's moving from California. Uh, and they might be able to pay cash for that house because mm -hmm. they, they probably sold for a pretty good price when they left California. So those dynamics are very different. Um, one of the things that we've, we were able to do with the county is we were able to get them to develop for us or in partnership with us and with Yavapai College <coughs> some designs of homes. And we were able to take those to the County Board of Supervisors and get those approved from 900 square feet to about 1,400 square feet. So for a retired uh, couple, that, that might not be the size that they're looking for. But for a young family, that might work really well as a starter home. Um, zoning is also an issue. We have a lot of teachers in Arizona from the standpoint of uh, where school districts purchase trailers, houses, some of them find hotels, uh, and they're able to renovate it into apartments. 
Um, we find partnerships between groups like uh, the Arizona Department of Transportation, the Department of Education, trying to share uh, areas where you, you might have a, uh, a fourplex, and that can be shared among those agencies and those people that are in that area. So, I mean, there's a lot of different potential solutions, but the issue that you raise is a very good one. And so in this community, it, it may be that your houses are way outside the price range of young teachers. And in other areas, it, it may be that that you simply don't have any kind of, of inventory available at all. Right. And I just want to clarify, I'm not, it's not a slant towards retired people. It's just another right. challenge for right. you and the school right. district. We need those folks. And Absolutely. like I'm right there on the door. Absolutely. Interesting. I. The other part of it for, I think, the districts is um, we know that the funding is an archaic model. I think you add another um, angle to this is, was it, tell me, it was night, developed like back in 1985 and it's not adjusted for inflation or something like well, that? Well, the, the, the basic model goes back to 1966. It was okay. modified in, in 85 and then again, again in 87 and then it's been tinkered with ever since. But yeah, that, that system goes back several decades. So you kind of have a triple, quadruple whammy in terms right. of... It's just like this aggregate limit that we've been dealing with. That was all before the invent of charter schools, and it was all before the idea of open enrollment. Wow. So I'm here in, in, this, in this challenge that you face, quality of life. You're recruiting young teachers, in this case from South Dakota. They come here. Um, they're living three, four to a place while they're single but then they want to start a family. And then it seems like they can't find the quality of life here because they can't afford a house to start a family and the pay raises are coming from another district down south. What I'm curious about on this, we don't have long tenure teachers then. After a while, all our teachers become on a pretty short cycle in our school districts. is that what you're seeing? And what does that do to the quality of our education when you don't have the teacher that's been around 20 or 30 years and then the new teachers coming in and everybody in between kind of passing the torch along and mentoring each other? It compounds the problem. So if we look just at simple data, if we look at a cohort of teachers that come out of college in in year one and they stay in education through year two and then through year three, we lose 40 four percent of our teachers in the first two years 24 percent in year one 20 percent in year two now if we can keep them to year three we probably have them. they're probably going to be with us um and when you look at the survey data about why that is uh lack of housing is an issue lack of funding um lack of uh, social issues i mean again if i'm a a young girl or a young guy, I, I, I want to be able to, to have a, a social aspect of my life that in many areas of rural Arizona is going to be pretty difficult to do. Uh, and so it simply compounds all of those issues, and we have to try to deal with those one at a time if we can. Wow. And, and sometimes and, they bump into each other. Right. And the number one reason they leave in the year one <clears throat> or year two is is economic or social? Or can you, do you, can you Actually, that, that really depends on the district. In some okay. cases, it's financial. But in some cases, it's, it's what they feel is a lack of support. Uh, it, it may be that they're teaching in an area that really was not their major or even their minor. 
Um, you know, we've got 2,000 vacancies right now in the state of Arizona for certified teachers. We have 48 in Yavapai County alone. Here we are the first week of March. We've got 48, 48 certificated days. teaching positions wow. for which we never had a single applicant. And so what happens there? Well, we have to cancel those classes. So now we have to double up those kids. So now our student-teacher ratio went from maybe 1 to 20 to 1 to 40 or 1 to 35. Well, that's not good for anybody. It's mm -hmm. not good for the teacher. It's not good for the kids. It's not good for instruction. But that's the only choice we may have. Or we simply cancel the class, and then what happens with those kids as far as their progression to be on on the right graduation schedule and those kind of things. So it is a, it is a challenge, and every community is a little bit different in what those causes are. Well, let's if we can, let's pivot a little bit. So I think we got a good flavor that there's challenges, and I, I'm sure we just barely scratched the surface of the challenges that are out there. How do we as a community, how do teachers and, and educators like yourself, um, businesses, uh, just community members, retirees, how can we all come together and collaborate to solve this problem? And what are some of the ideas that are out there that if we get enough folks around it, we might be able to solve this ourselves? Okay. Well, it, it has to, It you know, it, it takes a community to, to raise a child and it takes a community to solve a community problem. And so the idea of getting groups from various backgrounds to talk about a common issue is, is a really good starting point. And there's been a lot of those discussions, as I told you gentlemen before we started the show. I've already had numerous conversations this week about this specific topic. So there's a lot of interest in why is it happening, how is it happening, and how do we overcome it. So I think there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind. I think the school districts have some options within their own properties and within their own decision-making authority to be able to have some impact on this, probably a greater impact than we're exerting right now. Um, there's nothing other than being able to, to juggle the funding for it that would keep a school district from building houses or bringing in trailers or developing some kind of an apartment complex for their teachers, and I think we need to do more of that. And I think part of that could be public-private partnerships. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Yavapai is doing right now with their 3D printers, mm -hmm. uh, I know it's somewhat controversial, but it may very well be the wave of the future. They, they can build a house in much less time, and, and I don't want to say a, a huge financial saving, but some financial saving. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of in the proof of concept phase right now, but they're really working at it. Mm -hmm. And they've got a lot of great ideas. And uh, so I, I think we look at every possible uh, solution out there, and we try to bring every option to the table and see what would work. And what will work in Mayer won't necessarily work in Prescott Valley right. or Chino Valley or the Verde Valley or whatever it might be. So we have to take kind of one community at a time and identify where where are the strengths. Now, if I go to Baghdad, I'm going to live in a in a home owned by Freeport McMoran mm -hmm. Copper and Gold because they own the community. Mm -hmm. So even though that's that's has its own issues, I mean, they, they don't necessarily have a difficulty finding housing in that community. Well, it seems like here in our area, Prescott Valley, Prescott, Chino Valley, and the surrounding, it's kind of a supply issue. I mean, we, we're very few homes on the market for sale. Uh, there's homes being built, but they're being, I mean, they're being sold just as they 
get started. Yeah. And uh, you have to be there almost with cash to buy the homes. So I kind of go back to economics. That's a supply and demand problem we have here. Uh, and so we need to build more, get more units available so it stabilizes price, maybe even drives price down a little bit so that we have more capacity. Um, I know it's different in other communities, but that's what I'm sensing. Our challenge here is just getting enough inventory so that there are those starter homes for teachers and for police officers. I think people are surprised when they when they hear that it's like a sheriff or a teacher or a nurse that can't afford a home. Well, it's absolutely true. It is, and it's yeah. sad that we're at that state, but you know that's why we're here having this conversation, trying to come up with ideas to solve the problem. Yeah, and we're we're not. Uh, you know, we, we try to f- solve things in isolation sometimes, but this mm. problem, the housing problem in particular, uh, crosses uh, several different district boundaries. Yeah. I mean, I can give you examples of teachers that are teaching at Ash Fork that live in Mayer. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, four school districts away where they're actually living because that's where they can find the home. So it, it's all interconnected. Well, and I think it impacts the whole community. You know, if we don't have good education, new businesses that look to relocate to communities, one of their first questions is quality of life, which is what's your education system? You know, can my kids go to school and what kind of education will they get? Can my employees have their kids go to school? So it's tied to our workforce and other industries. It's tied to uh, the fabric of our community, whether we're a great place to live and retire or whether we're not, whether we can raise a family or not. And so it's not just a, a teacher problem and an education problem, but it's, to me, I see it as a, just a really broad community problem because how far education goes into the community. Well, and I think your point is very well taken. And we also know that this is not just a, a Yavapai County problem. This is a problem all over Arizona. In fact, I think, I, I, from what I understand, uh, it, it is pretty much a problem throughout the Southwest. So, you know, if you're in an area where people are attracted to live primarily because of that quality of life for all sorts of things, it's one of the issues you're going to have to address. They come here regardless, right? When it's an attractive area, they come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what we say or want or otherwise, they, they still find their way here. And I think we've seen it over the last couple of years since COVID. People just in masses are like, I'm ready. I'm done with where I was. I'm coming here because of either the elevation the, the mild climate or out of the big city. They all have a reason to be yeah. here and they come. Absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah, what I heard, we kind of nailed it based on your experience and your position is this is a challenge for everybody. Um, I've had some questions people ask, well, why is your article in trades that's coming out centric to uh, housing? And it's all connected. If we can't have firefighters or police officers afford houses or the teachers, what's going to happen to the retirement community if they don't have healthcare workers? It's all connected. And that's why we have to all collaborate on this and have these conversations to come up with the ideas, whatever they are out of the box, if they're not traditional. When you talked about the 3D house printing, and we've been kind of tracking that, it's a super interesting program coming out of CTEC and Yavapai College. Um, is there a private partners, private, public-private partnership opportunity there to educate, to build, to house simultaneously, right? 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's also interesting that um, it it's not just one solution. We're going to have to have multiple solutions because, again, what what works in one community will not right. necessarily work in another. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, and the resources that one community may bring is different than the resources of the other. Right. Well, it's certainly a complex problem and challenge for the community, and um, I want to thank you for coming. Our time's just about up today. Clearly, we just scratched the surface, so we might have to invite you back and dig a little deeper as we explore this concept of designing a community uh, for everybody. Uh, so thank you for coming, Mr. Carter. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, and I would, would look forward to joining you again sometime. Thank you. Guy, thank you for being here. Appreciate your support. Appreciate it. I just want to hear some stories about him in the classroom oh, sometime. A few. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to cut the film first before we get there. Cut. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to uh, Central Arizona Partnership, one of our partners in this effort. Uh, their mission is sustainable and reliable growth, and I think this conversation fits right into that. Education is so important to that. So, uh, want to thank our partners in that, Mr. Carter, Guy. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.